Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances, like your fridge, even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once. And two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash VTTGW to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Hey, what's up, Trash Talkers? Listen, it's impossible to fight, okay, if you don't know what you're fighting for. Does that make sense? Like, if you're in the dumps and you're, you know, you're struggling with mental health, things of that nature, it's going to continue tearing you down, all right? Because you're consistently trying to fight something, which is that demon, which is usually something from the past, right? Maybe that why needs to be fighting for your future. Let that be your why. Get the hell up and start fighting for your future. Stop fighting things that happened in the past. Easier said than done, right? Go seek help. It's okay not to be okay. A lot of people need to hear this. You are more of a warrior and a fighter if you stand up and say, hey, this has to stop. I need to go seek help. The stigma, everything has changed. It's okay not to be okay here is a firm believer in all men are created equal, but not all men live equal. That is why there's a certain select number of people in the DOD who decided to jump out of airplanes. And yes, we are better than you, 100%. Now, don't be the first triggered pansy to say, well, airborne's not relevant. You haven't jumped since World War II. Well, that's not accurate for one. And two, it's like having a jalopy or a 68 Mustang. Well, a 68 Mustang's no longer relevant. Doesn't matter. It's still a better car than yours. So take it easy this National Airborne Day and just accept that we are better than you. So two things for today's Honesty Cat. First thing, how do all my boys from the 101st feel knowing that the Army decided that instead of actually making you airborne, they just create a whole new division that's airborne because you just aren't cutting it? It sucks. Thing number two, for all the folks who were like, oh, airborne is irrelevant, doesn't even matter. They're making a whole new division of just airborne people because they're relevant. Think about that. How's that feel? Does it hurt a little bit? I hope it hurts a little bit. This is the Veteran Trash Talk Hour, hosted by Nick, Dave, and Buddy. Real warriors making fun of other real warriors. Try to not get triggered. <laughs> what is going on, Trash Talkers? What is up, Grunt Works Nation? Welcome to episode 147 of the Trash Talk Hour. Special guest today is author Mike Nelson. And today I'm joined by Nick and Chris. Where's Buddy? Uh, I, I think I think they had to go back to trial in Mexico. Magic so, Mike. Okay. Uh, event, okay. I uh, or it was yeah. Okay. I think he took. Uh, I think he had to lead a, a homosexual bachelor party. Yeah. Which again, again, okay we, got, 
we, we're okay with. All right, we're not judging it. It's just like it's not my cup of tea. I don't usually run. Yeah, like those that, group but... texts that he was sending the other night, Nick, were pretty suspect. I agree. Right. Yeah. Right. That might be I what mean, it you know, is. That's what. Hey, when you when you lead two different lives, you got to be careful with that because sometimes you know your other no life is comes out in a text. You know, and it's like, yeah. did he mean that for our group or is that for his classic group that he doesn't think we know about? So like. No, we got you, buddy, and we support you. We love you, whenever buddy. You, yep. Whenever you want to come out, we're here for you. You're still yep. going to be our friend. We still love you. So it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Didn't know, didn't know the show was going to start this way, but we'll run with it. So. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm. And, and well, Judge is in, in yeah. the right place. He's in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> Mike is still trying to think about what he just got himself into, but we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. It'll be fun. <laughs> so today. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. yeah, second thoughts? Nah. <laughs> You'll be good. Trust me. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. David Gray. Who else? We got Jeremy Daniels and some other people. I don't. I can't see him, but they were saying David what's Gray's up. David Gray's a field artilleryman. Hey, whatever. He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Kind of okay. But, he, he, you know, he gets, he's airborne, though, so he's cool. Well, yeah, he's, he's at the mothership right now. He's rocking and rolling. So. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. So usually I talk about crazy conspiracies, and I guess this one kind of is a conspiracy. Chris kind of helped me out with this one. He uh, messaged me on Tuesday and was like, Dave, check this out. And uh, I watched it, and then, of course, I went on TikTok and watched some more of the videos and on YouTube. And, of course, I found all kinds of crazy stuff about this. So are, you, are any of you tracking what's going on in Mississippi behind that uh, that prison, that jail? Jackson. Where no. they found it. Yeah, yeah. So long story short, there's a bunch of bodies back there. Um, the reports, the minimal reports that they've had on the media shows 204, but it's upwards of 600 bodies apparently. And um, missing people are back there, not just prisoners that died. And uh, just play the video, Chris, and then we'll have a discussion about it. This is some crazy stuff, stuff that is that actually, actually happening right, right now. now. The gruesome discovery of 215 bodies buried in unmarked graves behind a jail outside of Jackson, Mississippi, has left a community in disbelief. The families are angry their loved ones were buried in so-called pauper's graves, marked by just a metal rod and a number, and families were never notified of their deaths. The startling revelation came months after the mother of 37-year-old Dexter Wade filed a missing persons report last March. It wasn't until August when Betterson Wade learned her son had been hit by a police car and killed, then buried in that same cemetery. So, yeah, so this is actually going on right now. And obviously, if you go down that rabbit hole, supposedly they've dug up some bodies or whatever and body parts are missing. Um, you know, maybe they're donating or selling these things off. Um, my biggest thing on this whole scenario is why isn't this like major news, like all over the place and why hasn't the fed investigated yet? Because there's obviously a collaboration going on between the police out there and, and I'm, I, I support the blue, but this is some crazy shit. Like bodies just being buried and like missing people being buried back there. Chris might have some more, you know, intel on this because I didn't look too far into it, but it's pretty wild. So, yeah, it, it's he wasn't supposed to be anywhere else, and they just found him. Some of the graves are marked with numbers. Some aren't even marked at all. It's it's just a metal stake in the ground or nothing. And uh, some of the reports that I read was that they're making the people that want to retrieve their loved one's bodies pay for it. They're, they're having to pay to get their loved ones back. I'm trying to figure out why this guy was hit by a police car and killed and nothing happened. That that seems like a, a little bit of a cover-up to me. It seems like a huge cover-up, but like is who else who is involved? You know, like the who's governor, involved, buried like, back the there? prison, the all the police in Mississippi, like who's buried back there? Uh, you know, because we're talking about six hundred bodies. The initial report said two hundred bodies, but like what the hell is actually going on there? I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't get well, it. Also, Obviously this a big a cover up. Is this a privately funded prison or is this a, a all state funded, you know, facility? Because those private prisons get paid on the number of inmates that they have. So are these inmates dying in prison and they're just burying them back there? And oh, they're still alive. Yeah, they're right here. You know, hey Jim, go go put go put Hank's uniform on real quick. We need to do a body count. <laughs> oh, so they're they're not reporting the deaths. That's what you're saying. So they can keep Correct. their revenue, their Correct. state right. funding revenue in. For Correct. Possibly, okay. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
And then I that mean, one person was buried there. He wasn't locked up, Nick. He was it was a hit uh hit and run by the police, and then they grabbed a body and threw him back there too. Like he was never in prison. A dumping ground. Um yeah, so it's a, exactly so like who else is back there, you know, missing people and stuff like that. That's a big conspiracy behind it, I guess. And then why the Fed hasn't investigated like there haven't been any arrests from what I'm tracking. Like just it's kind of just being brushed under the like the radar, like the only this media coverage shit, you know? has been yeah. PBS. That is the only media coverage, PBS. That's it. Maybe we shouldn't have covered it either. Now I'm scared for my life. Yeah. I don't well, it's not about Hillary. Here. You're safe. There's a helicopter <laughs> circling my house right now. Gotcha. <laughs> Stay out of deck. What? Yeah. 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 Mike, Mike, what's your take? Have you heard of this? Do you know what's going on there? Rhaegar, shut up. No. No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything about it, but it's pretty disturbing. And it uh, is. I would want to know what who had jurisdiction over that uh, prison and yeah. uh, whether it's local or whether it's state or whether it's federal. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, the farther down the food chain you get, like the local jail, the local constabulary, they get paid to house county. County gets paid mm -hmm. to house state. State gets paid to house federal. And so there's a long chain of green that comes down on those kinds of things. Mm. And Interesting. Uh, you know what they always say, whenever you want to know the answer, as soon as somebody says it's not about the money, it's about the money. Wow. Yeah. And that's a good point. You just mentioned if it's federal, you know, I didn't know that a state, of course, a state prison. Yeah. That that would explain maybe why the lack of coverage and they already knew what was going on, which is very disturbing in itself. Let's hope that's not the case. And it was just, you know, some corrupt governors and and, and the Mississippi police over there. But yeah, that's some serious stuff. What's your take, Nick? What's going on here? Yeah, I'm I'm curious with the TikTok video. And because they said like he got hit by the cops and then died, and then there was there a missing person. On that person, so, yeah, his parents, yeah, his parents filed a missing, uh, missing person report on their son because he had never come home. Um, but yeah, I think I know where you're getting at with that. But then, long story short, when these bodies were uncovered, his body was there as well. With his he still had his ID in his pocket. Yeah, it still had his ID what? in his pocket. And I'm like, well, yeah. So, yeah, so the, the, the original wrong. video that I sent Dave yep. was about yep. eight minutes long, and it was yep. the the PBS um, news article about it. And it actually goes into depth how they were looking for their son. And the son had a rap sheet, but he wasn't doing anything when the cops hit him. And none of that. That's why we know he wasn't, you know, on and when they called him, yeah. And, 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 then they and when they, um, person and they finally found him. So and when yeah. they submitted the report, the cops were like, we don't know who he is. Like, we'll, yeah. we're going to look for him, we but we have no. Is. Nothing. Yeah, we have no idea what's going on. Meanwhile, he was already hit by the police and buried behind the prison. Like, that's fucked so, up. So, yeah, a, a, a couple yeah. of things that, you know, like, like Mike brought up is the money. And then we kind of, and then we talked about it to where we always say this, you know, it's conspiracy has to have some truth. Otherwise, you're just a moron. And then, and then, two, there, there has to be a money trail. If there's no money in it, it's probably not happening. Right. Because otherwise, why would anybody go through, you know, whatever type of shenanigans they're doing unless there is money involved? Uh, but my biggest problem with this, uh, is well, it's not a problem. Just nobody cares what happens in the South. Like America doesn't, <laughs> right? They don't. And like, so that's why you're not probably not seeing a lot of mainstream media about it because like, it's like, oh, that's just Mississippi. Right. But then there's an old, like, uh, Jeremy Daniels from YouTube brings up a 1990 movie, nothing but trouble. And there's another movie with Robert Redford called Brubaker. Right mm -hmm. where he takes over as warden of a self-sustaining prison, and he injects himself into the population as a prisoner to see how it's being run. Right, oh. and then you know, so he finds out where all the corruption is before he takes over. Uh, but there are still self-sustaining prisons in the South, and you know that's where you get that. Well, you flip a coin, right? Like there's a lot, a little bit less crime in some of these states because you're going to go over there. Right. If you, you go to commit a crime, that's where you're going. Right. So it's pretty big yeah. deterrent from committing a crime uh, to where, you know, you commit a crime in California. You're just released a day later. if It's under a certain amount of money. And or if the prisons are overpopulated, they just let you go. Right. So there isn't really I'm not really scared to go break into somewhere. But you want to break into something in, in you know, in Jackson, Mississippi. 
right? Like depending yeah. on what you break into and how connected they are to whether it is the clan or the government or whatever, like you're going, you're going to go through some hard time. <laughs> Why isn't the far left like running with this one? Right? Because the far left be started the huge... clan. Well, <laughs> besides that, but I'm saying he's, he's you know, not wrong. Like this could be like ideal to like run with. Like police killed another, you know, like whatever but, it is. But here's the thing there are, is, like, there are situations that are unjust. But this would like be headlines for them. This would be like pro like police kill everybody type stuff. And it, Nobody's what, talking about it. What I want to know is how yeah, many of those yeah. bodies behind the prison had nothing to do with the fucking prison to begin with. Because like the, the one That's guy what I'm that, saying. Yep. That, that started yep. all of this, he didn't have shit to do with the prison except for he was hit by a cop. That was it. Maybe. Yeah, but there's too many people. Uh, there's too many people in the ground there for it to be just a group of bad actors. Yeah, you right. can't you yeah. can't bury that yeah. many people and keep it a secret if there's only eight or ten of you around, you know. Right. That and not only that, but in order to accumulate two hundred and fifteen or how many? How long has it been there? How long has it been going on? And is it a is it handed down from, you know, from sergeant to private to, yeah. you know, just exactly who's running it and who's who's dealing with the show. There are a lot of people that are inconvenient that, you know, might just need to be put in the ground if if they're giving you trouble. But that's a lot of people that are becoming inconvenient. I mean, you know, maybe maybe some of Epstein's books laid there. Maybe his client oh. list is there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyhow, it's just pretty it's pretty it's pretty crazy. And then going that, down that rabbit hole and just seeing all that and like i don't even i, I should i guess i should have looked up the protocol when people die in prisons like do they where are they buried you know well, that way too much work. you know like i, I mean i did all the work finding the story a simple, to begin google, with, so. a simple google search would probably tell me um yeah. but they have like the graveyard right behind the prison and you can't even call that a graveyard it's just like metal poles with numbers on them hey it's, i mean we we buried our dead in wars with just the cross you know so like yeah yeah, I don't know where they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's a that 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 one stinks. But it's the way Mike put it is. I mean, we'll just transition right into the the book of yeah. Moral here because th that's what I was going to talk about. To uh, so where he brought up, you know, is it just been getting handed down that way? Now I want everybody to pay attention to this. All right, I think uh, I have to relook at the scripture I wrote years ago when I was, you know, you know, in my it, when I was doing my meditation and writing how to live life. Uh, and it was, you know, it's avoid the thinking trap of this is how we've always done it. All right. I like that. that. Yep. Yep. That has, we're all guilty of it. And again, before you go out there screaming hypocrite on social media, everything I say in the book of rules, I somehow screwed it up myself. Right. Like I, I somehow was one of those people I'm talking about and I still do. Like I might do it tomorrow. Right. Is you know, but you have to catch yourself. So avoid those thinking traps of this is how it's always been done. Now, I have been lucky, I think, in my military career. So when I got introduced to Dave and I was in his platoon, he was a young E5, I was a young E4, um, you know, and there was just a certain type of attitude in that platoon, right, that, that we didn't accept failure, all right? We looked out for each other. And, you know, it was such a warm upbringing for me to where I could trust everybody around me. And then we had our famous third platoon, which had a lot of great people in it, but for some reason they always sucked, right? And it was like, why? Did. You know, like, why do they always suck? You know, and I had a lot of friends that were in that platoon, right? But then it just continued to suck, right? And what what it what it, I think it pretty much boils down to, and again, I'm a systematic thinker, so there's probably a thousand things that caused it, right? But it came down to this is how we've always done it. This is how mm -hmm. we counsel people. This is how we train. This is what we do in the field. Oh, that's just second platoon making fun of us. No, we're making fun of you because you're wrong. Like mm -hmm. we're 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 making fun of you because you're not holding the standard of what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, you're going to get recocked again. You're going to have to go do that exercise again. Because you did it wrong. 
right? And we it was tried a to long night during live fires, dude. <laughs> Poor yeah. bastards, man. Yeah. But that was so, that was that was my squad. I, I don't know how I got in that squad, but I all the rest of those guys were a bunch of fuck ups. Yeah, but the, yeah, and but how quickly can your mindset change to just go with the flow, right? Exactly. To where it's like this, as opposed to this isn't right, and this stems into all other kinds of things. I mean, you can bring up hard skills for combat, or you can bring up soft skills for like people skills, like sexual assault, harassment, EO, all those things. Where if if just one person would have stood up and said this is not right, okay, it probably stops right there, right? Or Maybe. that dude gets. Maybe. Well, back in the day, maybe it gets the shit kicked out of them, right? <laughs> it's like, it is what it's, but again, but again, chances are, if you have the chance to stand up for yourself, like I said, I've always, whenever I stood up for what was right, I'm like, anybody who does disagree with me, we go out back right now. Right? Like, the tree line. We'll, we'll go to the tree line right now. We'll, we'll handle it. Maybe you win. Who knows? Like, yeah. you know, like it is what it is. Um, and I, I kind of got triggered by it again today. Uh, we were talking about a pre-show before you got on, Mike, but I was watching, uh, you know, the U.S. Navy is innovating with uh, suicide prevention training with virtual reality. And you saw a bunch of people get on there and start just crushing it, you know, and like, 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 oh, this is a horrible idea. It's a step backwards. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, as a prevention coordinator, I'm so-and-so. I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, did you not read the independent review on suicide prevention released in February about how shitty your fucking job is right now and how bad you've been doing? Hey, Nick, like, can not I ask that, you a question on that? Yeah, go ahead. What rank were those people that were bitching? Well, again, they were, they were allegedly coordinators. So allegedly in charge of the whole programs where they were. Right, but what rank? Civilian? O2s. Probably O2s. GS. Probably GS job. Yeah, yep. GS Civilians. The ones that yeah, don't civilians. give a shit about the military. Yep. Right. They and they're, the they're, they're more cared about their job. And they are more and they are the prime, not they, I shouldn't say they, because there's a lot of good GS civilians out there. Those ones that 100%. do that, those ones that do that, that they are narcissists and they're only looking out for themselves and keeping their job. And the status quo is just fine with them because the status quo is what's paying them currently. All right. They have zero. Everything desire. else doesn't affect them. Yep. Right. Yep. They have yep. zero desire in improving it. Now, on the green suitor side, especially in the infantry, I was raised in the, like I said, I got lucky to where I was raised in the right platoon. To where if we saw something wrong, we stopped it, right? Fuck yeah, and, we did. And that was the culture. All right, did we? Were we the perfect platoon? By no means, no, no. Like, yeah, we've we been had, pretty close. We had, we had guys doing yeah. cocaine. We had guys, you know, beating up hookers. You know, it, it was like there's all this stuff. You know, I'm not gonna not, say their names, but like not even you know, on the infantry like, side, we had that. We had a cocaine ring in in Dispo, right? Quantico, and so peddling it. <laughs> So it, 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 and then it, it, as my career went on, I, I became the, the traveling platoon sergeant that I was getting maneuvered. And then when I became a first sergeant, I got maneuvered to the worst freaking company, the worst platoon, the ones with culture problems, because my senior leaders are like, send Nick over there. Yeah, he'll, he'll fix he'll, it. He'll crush that culture right now. Right. And I and this is what happens to Fort Hood. Now it's called Fort Cavazos, uh, Fort Bliss. All right. All these bases that have these horrendous track records there. It's so rooted in there. The systemic problem to where this is kind of it, oh, it's just Fort Hood. That's why it sucks. Really? Right. Like nobody ever went in there and just tried to crush it. One guy did. And his name was he's retired now. So I'll say it. It was one of the greatest leaders we've ever had was Sergeant Major Burgoyne. All right. Cliff Burgoyne went down there and he tried to do something about it. And he was put under investigation within like months. Right. And so they, they slowed down his, pro his, his progress. And then he you know, got reinstated because he didn't do anything wrong. Same shit happened to me. I was under investigation the majority of my time as a first sergeant. All right. Because if you're going to squash a culture problem, you're going to piss off some people and you're going to piss off some people who are really happy with how shitty it was going there. Right, because they were the ones profiting off of it, whether it was the time, you know, or control over other human beings. Right. So avoid that thinking trap of the status quo. And you're better off getting fired. You're better off being unemployed. You're better off, you know, going and find someplace better than sitting somewhere and knowing that you're allowing bad shit to happen. 
All right. You'll you'll love it later. You'll love yourself more. And the people around you will respect you more when you're the one that stood up for what was right. So, again, that's the book of Earl. Just avoid like that it. thinking. Avoid that thinking trap of this is how we've always done it. Because that's when you well, just being able to accept trouble. change, like plain and simple, accept change. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of period. You know, yeah. the 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 the, the uh, culture is self-perpetuating and um and it's designed uh to uh get over on uh, other people so that you have the advantage and one of the things that it creates is if if you've been if they've gotten over on you and over on you and over on you pretty soon what you want is you want to get over on somebody too and so you want my turn and, and the cycle repeats and it repeats again and again, and they don't want to change it because I, I want my turn. Mm -hmm. And so if you start screwing around with somebody's turn coming up, now you're going to be in trouble. Right. That's a very good point. And, that, and that's what happens when you, when you become a young sergeant, you know, it's like, oh, my turn to start, you know, yeah, fucking these privates down. My yeah. turn, baby. I had you know, to deal with it. Like, so do you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the way we did it. You know, well, a lot like, of it. A lot of it too is our society is huge as a whole on instant gratification. Yeah, and change takes time. Everyone is sex is instant it, gratification. Everyone likes it. If yeah, Amazon, yeah. two day shipping. <laughs> Nowadays, okay. if I have to wait for something for seven days, where where the fuck's it at? I'm sitting there yeah. watching my watch. You know, that's America for you. It's just it's, America for you. It's easier. <laughs> which is great. Just which is cool. Most of the something. expensive shit doesn't come from America. <laughs> yeah. Dolce, Dolce well, yeah. 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 It's easier to just hide something or sweep it under the rug or just know this is how it's going to be than, than actually enacting the change. That well, there's, is there's a gravy train, too. And there's, there's a lot of different places where the gravy train runs. And... Uh, you know, I was thinking about what Big Earl said here just a little bit ago. And uh, when I first started going to the VA for my health care, I had to have a psych interview. And uh, they de decided that I had PTSD. And so mm -hmm. they then they started interviewing me and asking me what my coping mechanisms were. Well, every time I would tell them what a coping mechanism was that I used, it would stop working for me. And so I, I said, I just can't do this anymore. I can't, you know, you guys are killing me here. And now ever since then, uh, in my file, number one page is PTSD, suicide ideation, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I always have to answer for it because I declined the gravy trade. I could have got on it. I could have got a disability out of it and a whole bunch of other things, but it wasn't right because I was just okay. Sounds familiar with the pill, wow. huh, Nick? Right. Exactly right. So, like, yeah, it, oh, yeah it's, the, the VA is a frustrating thing sometimes. And again, you know, there's lots of VA employees that are great human beings. Yeah. Uh, and there's, you know, there's lots of, you know, you know, VA things that go wrong because of how big it is and what it has to do. And just, you know, again, we, that's a whole different ball of wax, uh, yeah. for sure. But well, I, don't um, want that, I don't want to badmouth the VA because I'm 100% disabled and I get all of my care through them. Um, I wish they didn't push pills on me so much, but um, it's better to sedate me. That's what they're told to do. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah we've, we've covered that in, in, and we can always get do it later in the show if we want to. But yeah, it's. It's crazy how it's just, it's just a pill for everything, everything, everything. And it's like uh, yeah. one of our one of our co-founders, uh, Joe, who does the fight show, he was on nine different medications and like four of them were to counteract the other five from right. the way they were acting together. And it's like, what the shit? And he's like, I finally got a VA doctor that looked at my prescription list and goes, who put you on all these? Right. And started getting rid of like half of them. <laughs> like, Jesus. But yeah, Chris, introduce the guest. Welcome, Earl. Yeah. So today we've got Mike Nelson, Vietnam veteran. Welcome home, sir. And uh, he's an author. 
Veteran author, surprise. Writes pansy shit. Yeah, so <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know. Did, did Bruce, like, did you wrong him somehow? Did you lose a bet? Because all Bruce told us about was this fairy tale fantasy crap that you write um, <laughs> instead of all your awesome war stories. So, Mike, let's uh, let's get into all that. Well, I wrote Welcome some to the fairy dumpster tale. Fire. Yeah, I, I wrote some fairy tale <laughs> fantasy crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did those just lately. The um, I wrote some fantasy books with my daughter, and there's a story behind that why I did it. But uh, um, the original, um, I, I wrote three books, three novels before these. And they were about my uh, my growing up years, uh, my time uh, going at, serving in the army, and uh, and all the things that uh, made me crazy back then, and uh, kind of got it out. I got one book done. I, in fact, I was telling you guys a little while ago about how I accidentally went AWOL. Tell it again. Yep, let's hear it. Oh well, um, what happened? When was... I went into the I went into the service, and uh, <laughs> of course, you know, the, you had the the whole day at the intake station, running around in your skivvies, and then uh, they put us on a plane and they flew us to Fort Lewis, up at SeaTac uh, in Seattle, and uh, uh, we flew. We got there about two o'clock in the morning, a uh, long night. And surprise, surprise, it was raining pitchforks and hammer handles um, when we came out. It was October, and it was just rainy season. And uh, they marched us through the airport. The place was dead empty. And uh, we went out on the sidewalk in front and uh, in the rain. And it was the kind of rain that you'd drown if you looked up. It was raining so hard. And the first thing the SP did was he said, to, he pointed at me, he said, here, you take all those bags and you throw them in the back of the bus. Well, it's just a school bus painted green. So I took the cart with all of the little suit AWOL bags on it around to the back of the bus. I threw them all in, closed the door, banged on the door, walked around the bus to go to get on. Bus door closes and the bus drove away and left me standing there on the sidewalk. <laughs> well, the airport was closed. Um, there was nobody in there. There was no USO desk or anything like that. And I probably had, I probably had ten bucks in my pocket or something like that. Um, and so I figured I was on the West Coast. How far away could California be? <laughs> it turns out it takes five months to walk from Seattle to. Uh, San Diego. Oh, I got picked up it? for uh, hitchhiked and spent some time with hippies and spent some time with druggies and spent some time sleeping under underpasses and I finally got picked up for vagrancy in Fresno and uh, I hadn't I hadn't been I hadn't spent a day in the army yet but uh, they were they were most happy to have me back. Because I, I, I get, they showed me how to crawl in sawdust in my underwear for about two weeks uh, to get my mind right, and then then I got to go to basics. I feel like oh, if there's shit. any part of that where you were required to, you know, do that, like for the Marine Corps, we have to do a 15k hump. I feel like they should just auto pass you after that five months of walking from Washington to California. Well, yeah, I, I got rides. <laughs> so you're the actual story of Rambo up in Washington. Yeah. You were just trying, you were just trying, yes, to, get yes. to, you were just trying to get something to eat. Trying to get something to eat. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that must have been it. Really good rat. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, so, what uh, what unit did you end up getting paired up with? 173rd. Oh, Airborne. Oh, good. All right. So but yeah, uh, I was only there for a real short period of time. Like I told you, I got busted up pretty good. And they sent me back, uh, came back here. But uh, uh, it wasn't a million dollar wound or anything like that. It was bad enough. 
but I had those those five months of bad time that I had to serve. So there was there was no way they were letting me out. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you, so, you got five months uh, to make up for. <laughs> yeah, I had some I had to I had to get my mind right, I guess. And uh, so first they sent me to Chicago to the AFI station there so that I could be a hometown recruiter. And they, that didn't go well. I only lasted about four or five weeks there before they found out that I was talking as many people out of joining the army as I was in the, uh, letting them in. Do I and look so, happy to you? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Exactly. Do, do you want to have to walk? look at, do you the- see this face? Does this face look happy? <laughs> Some so perfect I, advertisement. <laughs> I spent uh, I spent the rest of the time in uh, in uh, Germany. Where at? Okay. Nice. Where at in Germany? I was in Nuremberg mostly, but uh, I was rescuing evac over there because uh, they didn't have a lot of eleven Bravos that uh, weren't already associated with things. So, so I got uh, I got a different job and drove wrecker and different things like that uh, got to see most of europe that way wasn't the worst very nice in the world. yeah there was i grew up in Ke- i grew up in kaiser Sautern, germany no k-town k-town, no K-town yeah k-town. We all i actually grew up next to sembach air base a little small town called Meilingen, germany mm-hmm. you're probably familiar if you know k-town mm-hmm. you know Bogue, ramstein yeah i lived there for 21 years oh, no germany. i was in k-town yeah. at least once a week K-Town, Permasons, Germersheim. Yeah, Romstein, a band? Yeah, I think so. It is. It is. I was just in Germany with the wife uh, last year, and uh, the Altstadt Fest was going on. And I'm sure if you've been in K-Town, you you, you celebrated that, but that was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, the stomping grounds. And then Germany in in general, Europe is a lot of fun. So, Yeah, and and to, uh, to, to, to get on to the books, uh, I remember reading, you know, the the Tim O'Brien, the things they carried, uh, with his recollection of Vietnam, mm. and I'm excited to go get your books because he kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, he kind of did the same thing to where he changed the names of uh, of the players, right, of the actors, right, and you know he was writing his experiences through other people's names. So that, you know, their experiences were still alive and he kept, you know, the things that he wanted to keep private were still kept private. Um, and but he talks about a situation in that book to where he starts going to Canada. Like he's like, you know, I'm, I don't think I want to go with this. I'm going to go drive up to Canada. And if you want to, if you can, Mike, you, with one of your books, you were talking about how your father had served and how that relationship you know, when you decided to enlist, how did that go? If you want mind getting into that. <laughs> well, that's the second book I wrote. The first book is called Bless Me Father, because I spent a lot of time uh, on the wrong side of the, the law when I was younger, especially once I got back from the service. Um, uh, if you, got, you guys are all too young to, to know. But when we came back from the service, we weren't exactly welcome back with open arms. There wasn't any. We're aware, but we didn't experience that. Yep. 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 And, uh, and you know, I back then you had to fly standby. And you had to fly standby in your uniform. Um, and so you had to walk through the airports in uniform, in your dress greens. And uh, mm. people threw things at us and called us baby killers and everything else under the sun. So... I was already tagged as being a criminal because of my AWOL time. And because I was tagged as having that kind of attitude, I got put with the platoon that was the fuck-ups that he was talking about a little bit earlier. Um, <laughs> the, the difference was is that <laughs> those guys couldn't make rank. I made rank because I wasn't that. But... The thing about it was the thing that I got to see the most was the corrupt side of of the army. And that's what they showed me was the corruption side. And I got pretty good at it. So when I got out, I stayed good at it for a while. And then my father came calling (laughs) and uh, 
what I was telling you was my father wouldn't talk to me about uh, his time in the in the army. He was in the Army Air Corps. That was before there was an Air Force. He was a tail gunner on a B-17 bomber. Oh, wow. Flew tw 26 missions. But he wouldn't talk about it until he was really literally close to death. And he gave me a diary that he had kept, handwritten diary, little small book that he had written about his missions. And it was always the same. January 26, 1943, um, Germersheim, Germany, in the hour, in the air, nine hours, 22 minutes. Lost the waste wow. gunners, lost the navigator, came in on a dead stick. Landing gear won't go down, bellied in, lost the co-pilot, you know, that kind of thing. And always the last line at every entry was, we go again tomorrow. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, I mean, it chokes me up just talking about it. I mean, it yeah. was incredible. And I can understand why he never wanted to talk it's about tough. it. Those guys were hard. Just horrific of, you know, watching these guys go down. And the tail gunner was the only guy that was guaranteed to die if the plane went down because there was no way out. You couldn't, you couldn't get out of the plane. You had no parachute because you couldn't fit in the tail gun turret with a parachute on. So you had to leave that in the bomb bay. And so you hit, you didn't have a Oh, prayer. shit. I, I did not know that. That's crazy. So there was no chance of survival. No period. chance. Uh, tail gunners. The average life expectancy of a tail gunner was five missions. So and like he I did said, 26? He, he flew 26. Wow. <clears throat> and he was, and he got wounded his first mission. He took shrapnel to his face on his first time up. Oh, so, so yeah. I, anyway, I took that. I took that diary of his. I had his permission. And I took that diary and I wove that into my second book so that uh, there's parts in there where I, I lifted things right out of his diary as I was telling the story about him and when he came back and what I found out about him after that. And um, the second book becomes a little more fictional because I was acting outside of uh, the parameters of good citizenship. And I got myself into a bind, a pretty good bind, where I was between a rock and a hard place. I couldn't go to the police. I couldn't go back to the people I was working for. And that's when I discovered that my father and I were the same person. Wow. And, and so he, he saved my ass. Real, real quick, Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to throw an image up on the screen. Um, so we can kind of see what you were talking about. And it's an image of the B-17 tail gunner. That that's all the room they had. That's it. That's nuts. Except for one thing, in front of him, um, you see the little red line? Right here? The red line on yep. his chest there? Yep. Yep. That's, that's a uh, one-inch piece of sheet steel. And that's where the incoming rounds were supposed to be deflected off of, was that piece of steel. That was the only armor he had. Wow. That's yeah, I mean, crazy. yeah, I mean, fast forward, you know, 60 years and people are putting pieces of metal on the Humvees before we got up armored ones so they could have some protection. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Just it's crazy. And and Mike getting, you know, please, we've, we've all been choked up on this show before. Yeah. Uh, and I guarantee you there's somebody uh, somebody watching uh, that is that, you know, it has the same feelings as you or the same experiences as you uh, that you're probably helping right now. And, uh, yeah, that, that experience, like we've talked about before, like you said, we didn't experience that type of, you know, or lack of homecoming, right? We, we definitely understand, you know, you know, and we, we pay attention to that, um, which is why we love having our Vietnam brothers and sisters on this show because 100%. that's, you're taking the courage to get things out 
right, that a lot of people go go to their grave with. And sometimes they go to their grave on their own hand too soon, right? And as opposed to there's lots of ways to express it. You don't got to write books. You don't got to do a podcast. You don't, you know, you don't. Have, but talk about how, you know, in those writings, it, it helped. <laughs> Well, it's, it was, it, it was, you know, I've, I've rolled around you guys too, you know, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure anybody that's put on the uniform, you know, you go back there in your mind, you, you go back there and it comes back to you at all kinds of times. Sometimes somebody triggers a memory. Sometimes there's just, it's the nights are just too long. And, uh, and, and you have these, these thoughts and these memories and you, you chew on them, you stew through them. I could have done this. Maybe we should have done that. Um, you know, so sad, too bad. And I spent 45 years grinding on that stuff. And so what happened was my dad gave me that diary and for him, it was therapeutic for him to write it down. And I started thinking, you know, I got married late in life. I didn't get married until I was in my 30s. I didn't have kids until I was in my later 30s and 40s. And so I had had all of this life before that. And um, I thought, well, maybe I should write some of this down just like dad did. But this time I'm not going to keep it a secret. I want them to read it. So I started writing these little episodes, you know, of whatever it, whatever it was, you know, uh, got a ride from Spokane all the way to Portland and slept under the underpass and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I just started writing it out and, and in a way that I could give that to them, just short stories and say, this is why you think I'm so fucked up. And uh, or why you think I'm so strange, because this is who I used to be. And I started writing it and somebody looked, said, what are you spending all your time writing this stuff for? And I said, I don't know. I'm just getting it down. And they looked at it and said, boy, this is a great story. You should write this out into a into a story story. Well, the more of it that I wrote, the better I started feeling about it. And I started mm -hmm. getting my, my thoughts and my feelings down on paper. And by the time I was done with the third book, I didn't wake up at night wondering what I should have done or shouldn't have done. I, I, it was very cleansing for me to, to write that and get it out. Now, um, I know it's three books and it seems a little long-winded, but I'd like to think that they're pretty good stories. Yeah, what's the third one about? Uh, the third one is when I finally did get my shit together. Excuse my language, guys. When oh, I finally, right. <laughs> you say whatever you want, really. You can here. say whatever you want there's, on there's here. There's very yeah. little that's not allowed. Well, when I, fi I finally did get my shit together, it took a long time. And uh, um, uh, I went back to, to school, went back to college, and... Um, I got my doctorate and I practiced as a physician for 40 years. So uh, the third book is about the transition from criminal to um, practicing <laughs> physician. And, um, and then uh, instead of having a, a lot of clinic hours and things like that, I worked emergency and I also had a house call practice and I had house calls three days a week in an Amish community. And so each chapter is a story about some crisis that I walked into that I had to, I had to fix sort of a all creatures, great and small, only instead of cows and horses and pigs, Amish people. Wow. Yeah. And that, and then that's probably pretty interesting. <laughs> so, uh, can you can you elaborate on one of can you elaborate on one of the situations that you walked in? I obviously you don't want to give too much away because we you oh know, no I don't, care. I'll I don't care. Book, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what they're, they're the greatest books never read, so I'm not, <laughs> not too terribly worried about <laughs> giving anything up on it. Um, you know, like uh, I, I one time I got a 
I got a postcard in the mail at my house and um, it was, you know, three by five index card. And there was a place in the corner where there had been a quarter taped to the postcard and the address on it said, Nelson, leave on the route. That was, that was the address on the postcard. And on the back of the postcard, I still have it. So I know that it's authentic. And on the back of it, it said, can you come out? Jonah has hurt his foot. Don't come tomorrow because we have a wedding. Well, it was Friday night. If there's a wedding on Saturday, I can't come. And you can't do business with the Amish on Sunday. So I had to go on Friday night. Ooh. So uh, I went winter night, really, really cold winter night. And uh, went, went, knocked on the door, came in. Everybody was in the barn choring except for Jonah because he'd hurt his foot. So he's sitting in front of the stove, wood stove, with a great big bag of snow on his foot. And I take the bag off to take a look at it. And what he's done is hit himself in the foot with an ax and split his foot between the big toe and the toe next to it all the way to his ankle. Jesus. He's got to send a like a card out to hey, we got because no phones. This is right. I mean, I, I'm thinking you know I just dropped a hammer on it or you know I twisted my ankle a little bit. No, he split his foot in half. No big deal. Well, you can't come tomorrow though. We got a wedding. Well, he probably was doing something stupid. Probably was just lazy. Would. Yeah. It's just it's one way to get out of chores. Yeah, I guess they, they don't they don't like getting out of chores though. I got to tell you, that's what they live for. But uh, anyway, so that but anyway, was a very you interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, I didn't have enough suture in my bag, and so I had to use horsetail. Wow, that's awesome! That is. Uh, so, Mike, you we introduced you talking about some some fantasy that's good, stuff. That's good. That's good. Then you turned it back on us, saying that you did it with your daughter. So now we feel kind and there's of there's a story assholes. behind it. Yeah, and you said there's a story behind it. So let's let's hear about it. Well, I, I wrote the three books and I was done. I was I was like empty, you know. By the time I got that out of my system, I didn't feel like I had anything. I didn't. I, I'm not a writer, and I had never written anything. I was a terrible student. Five published school. books. I'm not a writer. And uh, and so um, <laughs> she said she's she's my tail ender. I didn't have her until I was 52. And uh, and so uh, she said, Dad, you All right, okay, okay, okay. Well, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn yeah, once. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a big one. <laughs> um, so nice, she said, Dad, nice. you you really need to keep writing. And I said, I don't have anything to write about. I'm you know I'm I'm empty. I don't don't have any more ideas. I don't feel like writing anything. And she said, "What well, you got to write. And I said, like, what? What would I write about? And she said, well, write about us. And I said, well, I don't know. What What do you mean? And she said, well, you know, um, ever since, and this is true, um, since the time she was eight years old, I used to take her out of school for two weeks every year. And we would go on an adventure. And uh, sometimes it was in the summer, but more often it was in the spring or something like that. And so we would go on a, a legit adventure. We would go down to the Marathon Key and rescue sea turtles, or we would go to the Apostle Islands and and look at the shipwrecks and study the lighthouses, or we would go to uh, Big Sur, uh, California, or something like that. And for two weeks, it was it was a learning experience adventure that we would do every year and we still do it she's 22 now oh yeah and, lasting memories right there yeah and we, we do it we do it every year we got one coming up pretty soon here and she said right about that and i said what we're going to make a travel log that sounds dull as dirt and uh she said no you know dad you know make it about a a treasure hunt or something use the adventures and make them into a treasure hunt and i said oh that sounds really exciting. How am I supposed to write about that? She said, well, make it about magic, make it, you know, whatever. So that's what they're about. It's about a father and a daughter who go on this treasure hunt, uh, only to find out that 
she's a witch and he's a druid. And uh, <laughs> and like to it, a little twist, <laughs> a little twist. And so they, 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 he takes her to meet the druids and the witches so that they can teach her how to, how to see life the way life is really supposed to be seen. So it's, it's really a very philosophical study of magic. Like the, the guy says, he says, I don't really do magic. I just bend the rules a little bit and it looks like magic to everybody else. Oh, wow, I like that, that. that. That's incredible. And for those of you watching, yeah. uh, and you know what, I'm, I am going to uh, steal some of this uh, for my own family uh, for sure. I, uh, you know, just, you know, things start. One of the reasons why we started Veteran Trash Talk was to promote veteran-owned businesses, get our ideas out into the public to where, you know, everybody wants to be like, oh, I have the answer for this. Well, no, you don't. You have the answer for yourself, maybe. Right. But that that answer might work for, you know, 5,000 more people, but not 10,000. So right. the, the bigger our, our community gets, the more ideas come out. And I, I just got an idea from you. So I hope those of you listening, and we have the audio on the podcast that we'll hopefully upload later. Um, and, you know, people are listening to it. So if you're listening hopefully. to it now, Yeah, hopefully, Chris. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Fuck you, uh, hopefully. Uh, yeah. I got my we, – we got one sponsor, and they're like, hey, uh, where's the last two episodes? I'm like, oh, let me listen to Chris. Um, so, yeah, anyways, but – Again, we can we can go back and prove this just like we did last night on the fight show about the selfies being sent. We can we can get into the the, da the data, but those those ideas that that you just shared, I think you know they they definitely hit me. So I, again, those of you watching, you know we have VTT official as well. Get on there, you know, share an idea, share something that you do that you know brings you joy, right, and then. Maybe that will open the door for somebody else. But yeah, like so now you you said you're at three books with your daughter as well. Two, now? two, Just two so two. far. Uh, okay. There's one one on the way, I guess. Is that the first edition that Bruce sent us? The, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was I was digging into that one a little bit. Um, and so that same same kind of thing. You kind of just you, you change the names of the locations, but everything. So it's kind of like a this kind of happened, and then this is what we stepped. This is what we got from it. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier to to uh, write about the scenery if you've already seen it yourself, and so um, it's it's kind of a little bit of a cheat. I can, I we can, the adventure can go to one of these places that we've already seen, and it's easy to to set the the scenery and and the background and everything else. And then all you got to do is tell a story about it. That's yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Um, what is we had another author on here from the GWAT, uh, and he's still doing great things with Ryan Hendrickson. Uh, he wrote the tip of the spear. He's a Green Beret that uh, got his legs all mangled up and he still served. And he he's in Ukraine uh, most of the time now, not on a, any type of political mission, simply just to get get, land, get rid of landmines. Mm. And I say sim I say simply. But like nothing simple you know, about that. Right. But nope. like that's no, nope. you know, he had dealt with a lot and then he started writing his ideas, his thoughts down and it turned into a not it turned into a book. And we've had a, a couple of guys on the show like that talking about it. Um, so, again, just for people who are tuning in later, can you just one more time explain that power that comes down that, that worked for you, that power that he was just on Sean Ryan, too. That was did you watch him on Sean yeah, Sean yeah. Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. So explain that power again that, you know, before we turn it over to Chris for the AR, explain that, that how that helped you, that power of putting your thoughts down on paper. Well, it, uh, there was, I had a lot of, um, uh, I don't even know what they call it. I've had, a, I had a lot of unresolved anger issues <laughs> associated mm -hmm. with it. I got busted up pretty good. And it took a long time for me to get myself squared away. I've, now I've got, I've got uh, two artificial knees. I've got an artificial right shoulder, artificial left elbow. Um, I've had uh, most of the fingers on my left hand reattached. And uh, so um, I had a lot of pain and a lot of anger issues. 
And uh, when I started writing and telling the story, um, I made sure that I didn't tell the story like I was the hero. I told the story like the way that it was. Hopefully in an amusing and interesting sort of way, I hope. But um, what it really did was the more I wrote about it, the better I felt about my life. And, uh, and the fact that uh, not only did all that stuff happen, but I, I rose above it. And then I think a key takeaway that I don't, I don't know if the other guys are getting the same thing I am is that when you put things into perspective in your own life by listening to, to what you're saying is, is, you know, everybody wants to feel like they're going through the, the worst or the best situation, right? They, they want to make it personal mm -hmm. and everything you're explaining to me. And I hope some of the audience is getting this, which we know they are. Some of them are, is that, you know, your whole body can be failing, your mind can be failing, but it's not over. Mm -hmm. Like it, it doesn't mean it's over. Right. right. Go find, find a way to, and again, I'm going to read your books. I'll go get them after the show. Like find a way to help people, you know, if, and that's what, you know, Ben Owens been on our show a few times. It's like, you know, if, if you're struggling with yourself, go help someone else. Right. And, and and then maybe that turns your fuel into more positivity and actually doing more things to help others. So Changes I really perspective. Yes. Yeah. So I yeah. really appreciate you sharing this. I know it's difficult for a lot of people to do it. It was difficult for me, but then we started a podcast and now we talk about it all the time. So like um we I really appreciate you coming on and uh you know sharing what you've done with your life and how you've you know and how you've you know analog it to where now it's now people can either grow from it i mean they can even hate you for it i mean it is what it is right and it's like but at least you're at least you're affecting and you're and you're you know you're getting a response out of people so mm -hmm. really appreciate that uh really appreciate having me on mike and anything else that you guys have for mike before turn over to chris i was quiet man i was just listening i loved everything yeah. about it man mike yeah. thank you for your service seriously i know you can't hear this enough you know like thank you for your service you understand yeah. how much we respect you yeah. and what you went through you know when you were talking about like the airport stuff when we walked to the airport in uniform we're all getting you know cheers and intercom Beers, and about yeah. veterans, Beers, like, steak just, dinners just, yeah oh yeah, no, yeah. Just, screw you buddy <laughs> <laughs> which is why you don't you know, say thank you, know, you to your service you know, to a vietnam veteran you know you say yeah welcome. And I, we try to relate to an extent, you know, because like I, I deal with PTSD, TBI and all that. But then like there is a lot of support out there. When you came back, you didn't have all that support. And then, you know, it's a lot easier for us to navigate those situations compared to what, how you had to navigate it. And it just hats off. Cheers to you. Salute. And to your, and to your father. Thank you for your service, brother. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. All right, Chris, give us AR. So we learned that uh, you don't want to go to Jackson, Mississippi. Stay stay away, away from there. You're going to end up in an unmarked We're going to end up there. Find <laughs> a prison. Just stay away. Um, Mike, uh, Mike wrote more than just fantasy crap with his daughter. He, he wrote some some really good stuff, and, and the fantasy stuff is, has got a, an interesting turn to it. And um, We need to listen to our Vietnam vets. We need to respect them. We need to honor them because they're, they're not going to be here much, much longer. It's, we're all Jesus old. Christ. Wow, you went dark as fuck there. <laughs> yeah, you went dark. Look at bro. <laughs> Shut the hey, hell up. It's true. <laughs> By far the worst line we've ever heard on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll give Mike a kiss. He'll be gone as, tomorrow. Yeah, as we know, Dave <laughs> Dave lived in in Germany, as as we always hear. Um, yeah, pretty much covers it all. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, Mike. Last words before Faceman closes us out. All right, just a quick one. Uh, the first three books I wrote, I wrote under the pen name Michael D's, because my middle name name is my middle initial is D. My mother always called me Michael D. And so when I was writing the books, she was telling everybody, Michael D's got a book coming out. Michael D's wrote a book. And then she passed away before the first book came out. So I changed my name to Michael D's because these are Michael D's books. Love it. Nice. 
Love yeah, it. we're gonna we'll Thanks definitely again, any, brother. Any, anytime Go ahead, you Nick. got something yeah. coming out, anytime you got something coming out again, sorry, Dave, uh, but like send it our way. Have uh Bruce send it our way, we'll promote it on the page. So uh got the, we've got the links in the chat for everybody. Yep. Um hmm. yeah. I got a new one that hmm. I'm almost done with now. I don't mean to keep you guys. No, no. no you're good. good. You're good. It's uh, it's called uh, Deathbed Confessions of Harry Beach. And it's about an FBI recruit who's assigned to uh, sit with this serial killer on his deathbed and uh, try to get him to tell tell him where the bodies are. And uh, and he's a, a pretty calloused criminal and not interested in telling him. And so the kid has to learn how to get into his head. And so it's a thriller. That sounds awesome. Mm, mm, I like that. I'm, I'm, Again, I'm ready for that I, one to come out. Really appreciate you. For any, everybody that's watching, thank you for your service. Specifically you, Mike. And I know you know a lot of people are going to watch this later on. For everybody that tuned in late, go check out VeteranTrashTalk.com. It's got the links to everything. YouTube, go to YouTube. Give us a subscribe and a like. Yeah, we're all wearing VTT merch. I was going to get to that in a second because we are shadow banned on YouTube. So a like and a subscribe would be great. Push us out in the algorithm. Uh, if you want some of our awesome merch, go check out shop.veterantrashtalk.com. It's got awesome tees. Support the cause. And uh, we'll be back next Saturday. Love you guys. Boom. You can stay on, Mike. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash VTTGW to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free.